0: Now streaming only on Disney. Knock
1: that fire down,
0: 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays.
1: Firefighters were family.
0: Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! Fiery romances You're the love of my life And Andy is finally in charge I'm gonna be the best damn captain the station has ever seen <laughs> Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu
1: this Hey, everyone. This is David. Welcome back, Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's get right into it today because we are joined via Zoom from 3,000 miles away by the one, the only, (laughs) Mr. Randall Emmett. How are you?
0: Good, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. You've been busy, huh? I've I've been trying to keep busy. I've been trying. Not easy.
1: We were just talking, so like, yeah, like you you were just saying before we signed on, like, it's a whole wave of emotions, this quarantine, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like one day you're you're thriving and you're, like, getting used to it, and then the next day you're like, this really sucks, and I hit a wall, and I was talking, you know, Lala was uh, just in the office a little while ago, and she came in and she's like, I've had it. I can't take it anymore. You know, you get to that point where, and she knows, I'm, you know, I'm a guy that really – is actively busy you know in our company and our life and you have kids and and uh all of a sudden the world stops and you're like okay shit you know and and it's it's there are days that are really tough like everybody but i always try to look at the you know the optimism and at the end of the day you know if you have your health and you you know and you you have a roof over your head and you have food you got to start there you know and your family's healthy You, i always try to start there and and then deal with the bullshit.
1: That's a good place to start. I mean, so I'm in New York City, so oh. it's, you know what? It's bad, but it's not, like, it's bad in terms of the numbers. I think the yeah. only thing that makes it worse here is that we are in apartments, and no matter how big your apartment is, it's still not a house.
0: Oh, my God. I would lose my mind. I'll I tell you, I, a lot of my friends obviously live in New York, and no matter how much money you do or don't have, I don't care if you're in a one bedroom, a studio or a six bedroom, it's an apartment building. It's I I would, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be bougie because I'm very, very respectful and sensitive to what we're going through. You can through.
1: be bougie to me. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like I a little said- bougie. I, I get called out for being bougie a lot, but that, that's but- okay.
0: <laughs> but I told my friends in New York, you know, I said, look, I know that nobody's making money right now. We're all kind of stuck in, in, in a box here. But I said, you know, even if, even no matter what my situation was, I would have grabbed one or two of my friends in quarantine, gone down to Florida or something, rented a little place on the uh, down in you know where I could move around and see the sun, and I, I just would have done that. I would have done whatever it took, used my last four cents, but I would have done it because I just mentally don't know if I could, you know, have handled being in, a, in an apartment building. And it's not oh I'm better or or looking down. It's just I I think it's hard being quarantined anywhere and let alone in New York city. I give all the respect and love to people in, in the, in high rises.
1: Well, Randall, if this happens again in October, like they say, so I have said that exact thing that I'm going to take whatever and just, you know what it is? It was like too far into it. And then I'm like, now you can't travel and I don't drive. So like, for me, just, no, I mean, like, I, I am a typical New Yorker, despite the fact that I grew up in Connecticut. So I, know. I like, how am I going to get to Florida? I would fly. And so, like, then I just, and I, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to be with my stuff. But if this happens again, like, hey, everybody. You stay. No, I, I'm not staying next time.
0: And by the way, I'll tell you something. A lot of my friends were similar, like uh, my, uh, you know, a lot of my friends in New York on Broadway or actors and all that, they're, they said the same thing. We were already so deep in. By the way, when it started, let's be honest, none of us knew this would be two, three, five months. We thought three weeks, four weeks, we'll be up and running. We, our brains couldn't process. And right. so I, I understand that. But I think looking forward, you know, you got to go.
1: The next time this happens, yes. I mean, because the thing is, and then also people were going to the Hamptons, but then the Hamptons was a mess. Like you couldn't oh, get food. Yeah, in the beginning, so, like, there was – everyone was out there, but then people – there were so many people out there that were bringing it out there that people were getting sick out there. Plus, oh, there was, my God. But plus there was also, like, in New York, you still had that, like, it's 4 a.m. and I want Indian food, and you could still get it. Right. So, like, then it got oh, to a so point – Oh, so everything
0: is still open in terms of the hours, like, in, more flexible.
1: More or less with limited hours, but still pretty good. Is It's delivery, but – so that's the thing. And then you right. were hearing like, well, the store in the Hamptons doesn't have any food. And I'm like, well, why am I going to go for more space? And I mean, how are we going to actually get toilet paper? And like, it, oh God. It, so then you I, stay and then you're like, well, now we're into it. Now I'm not going to leave. Like, <laughs> well, at now you're point, like,
0: they're starting to reopen and you're like, okay, I'm just going to ride it out because we're on our way back.
1: Exactly. But I have, I mean, like, like, I go you south.
0: Said. I'd go south. Yeah. In the future. In the future.
1: But yeah, that's what I'm going to do next time. But like Lala, you said she had a bad day. I had a bad day. So I had stayed in for a bunch of days. And then oh I God. went for a walk on Saturday. And let me tell you, getting out for a walk was the opposite. I had a Then after that, I'm like, I was so depressed on Saturday. I'm like, because now it's like, oh wait, like this is what I've been missing for the past three weeks where I didn't
0: leave my apartment. By the way, I'm going to tell you, I feel the same way. Like, you know, and look out here, you know, we have, a lot of us have homes and pools and uh, obviously we're spoiled in that regard, but you know, you feel bad for your kids. You know, yes, they, they, we have a roof over our head and we have food, but the reality is a six year old and a 10 year old when they, when they don't understand why they can't go hang out with their friends, it, it's heartbreaking. So I try to be really creative and I, I did an RV for a week. I did a, you know, drives to different places, but at the end of the day, you know, you just, I try to keep them active because when they're active, the brain is working and they're not thinking about COVID because no little kid should be having to deal with this. This is like, as an adult, we figure out ways to process. We can work, you know, we can sit home and be on the computer, but a six year old just wants to go outside and hang out with their friends.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be weird. Like when they're older, like what will this do to kids? Like, I mean, look, we're all in it together. Like they'll be fine, but like their world of growing up, like they'll just have a different perspective.
0: I mean, when I can't imagine when they're like when my six-year-old's twelve or my ten-year-old's fifteen, sixteen looks back and goes, "I got I, I school ended. I was stuck at home. I, I, my, my dad had to do all the you know. It's just a different. I can't even uh, I can't even fathom you know how how it's gonna affect them later in life. You know, are
1: are they with you like full time or fifty-fifty?
0: Go- we, okay. we share. Yeah. So we so every few days we we rotate and it's uh it, you know I really really try to. Lala and I both try to be creative, whether we just swim and then we play games and then we go on a drive or we go pick up food or, you know, and just, just to keep them so that like, I I want them to know it's not the end of the world. The the world's not going to end, even though we know as adults, it's been horrific, but I I want them to always see rainbows and the, and the happy stuff. So I try to give them that perspective of like, listen, we're going to get through it. Things are getting better slowly. But, you know, as long as we're safe and respectful of distance, everything will be okay. And so, I, you know, because you want to assure your kids. I mean, the thing about it, my kids have been evacuated for fires. You
1: know? Oh, my God.
0: I mean, they've been in earthquakes, and now they're COVID. It's like, holy shit. It's, you know, they're going
1: to be like – are you from the East Coast originally? I mean, you sound I'm from like you Miami. are. Yeah, I'm oh. from
0: Miami, uh, born and raised, and then um, and then I uh, and then I uh, went to college in New York City for five years.
1: I would have said New York, New Jersey. That's just where yeah. I go. I, you
0: know, most people. My dad's from New York, so I have kind of that thing. But um, East Coast, you know, definitely fast and.
1: And speaking, and then you just decided, like when you were growing up, did you always want to be like? Did you always want to go into movies? making movies, being a producer?
0: I grew up as a kid. I was like a, a, a theater kid. You know, I grew up in the theater and I was an actor until I was, uh, I went to Foreign Arts High School. I didn't really fit in in normal school I was eccentric and, and I got to my Foreign Arts High School and I fit right in because everybody was different, weird. And, you know, and then uh, from there, I, I knew I loved movies because as an actor, when I would show up on sets, As a kid, I would get really upset, like, why I would have to go home after my scene. And, you know, then I started making films. And I I graduated and went to New York uh, on a theater scholarship. And I got a job as a PA on a movie uh, in Manhattan called The Hard Way with Michael J. Fox. And they gave me this walkie-talkie. And I called my parents that night at 3 in the morning. I said, I'm never going to be an actor again. They're like, what? I said, it's over. It's done. I want to be on movie sets till the day I die. I don't know what I want to do. And I went to film school and and found producing and moved out to Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah.
1: And then when you got to Los Angeles, when did you become Mark Wahlberg's assistant right away?
0: I moved out to LA, uh, uh, graduated. I moved to LA and I had sold my first uh, indie feature film that I made in college. And back then there was a DVD market, a VHS market, whatever it was. You know, I made some money and I went crazy and then I was broke like most people and especially
1: um, at like 20 something when you make a dollar
0: you make three dollars it's gone in three minutes so yeah you
1: you think you're rich for life
0: billionaire i thought i was a billionaire when i came out here then i was then i dollar to my name and i was sleeping on friends couches and doing all that and um a friend of mine introduced me to mark they had said oh you guys are the same age and i was uh i was 23 maybe back then 22 23 and they said, you guys, you know, he loves movies. You love movies. You guys should meet. We met and we hit it off. And, you know, we were, you know, going out and just being crazy. And uh, and then I was working at ICM at a talent agency as an assistant. And he said, why don't you come work for me as a personal assistant? And I and we spent every minute together. And I was like, yo, I could get out of an office and travel with you. This is great. I already do it anyway. So I, got, I took a job with him. And we traveled the world. He was still like Marky Mark slash Mark Wahlberg, like he was becoming Mark Wahlberg. So was and this he-
1: like the Calvin Klein ad
0: days? Pugs. Okay. Well, a Renaissance man and basketball diaries. and he was just shooting the movie Fear, which was like the kind of the first big movie he did uh, yeah. pre pre Boogie Nights, and then up until Boogie Nights. So you know it was fun, and I got to travel the world with him and go to you know, all the MTV spring break and all the different things. And it, it was, it was fun and it was great. It was wild. And he taught me kind of a lot about how to, how to move maneuver in the business. Cause he had been in the business since new kids, you know, since Marky Mark days. And he was just really, really uh, um, he was just very educated for his age. Like he just had been there. We traveled the world, he performed, et cetera. I'd never been out of the country. Um, and so from there i'm trying to remember what so from there i just i i i basically dragged bags through airports and was a personal assistant and then um he knew i was trying to be a producer and he and he nicknamed me back then the mogul which he still calls me to this day and then i i I was just trying to raise money for my first movie you know all during that time so then i um basically uh met my partner, George, I, I had been trying to raise money for a long time. And everybody promised me a, a field of bullshit and trust fund kids, you know, and all this. And my partner, George Furl is my partner. 23 years later, uh, raised the money for our first film. And, and we went and made our first movie.
1: And then you said to Mark, I'm leaving.
0: I said, I said to Mark after like two years, you know, I need to go and focus on this. And Mark always supported me. And it was really a mentor to me because I watched him transition from model to singer, I mean, singer model to actor and maneuver in an industry where most singer crossovers fail or they just don't ever take it seriously. And he really loved acting. And, and, and and I knew that he was very um, uh, methodical about how he was going to do it. And I watched the maturity also change. And he's like, listen, you have to, respect people and you have to give them respect or you will not be respected when you're down you need those people to bring you up yeah so it was just like that you know and he was just a mentor and we and we and we're best we were best friends and he supported me to go off and always try to raise money for movies i think he was always excited to be able to say like one of his assistants is you know gone he's very proud of me he's talked about it and then we always said we we're going to make movies together one day. And as I started making movies, we always said, we're never going to make a movie just because we're friends. We're going to make a movie because it makes sense for him and for me. And I don't know, about 10 years ago, he came to me and we ended up making Broken City and then Two Guns and then Lone Survivor, which ended up being my biggest success and Mile 22. And now we're doing other stuff together. And it's, it was great. It's just, you know, it, he's always been there for me to lean on for advice and if I'm if if uh career-wise he doesn't think I'm making like a great choice he'd be like what are you doing you know bring it back to center and he's always been a sounding board for me I'm very blessed. Do
1: you ever say that to him like what the hell are you doing this movie's gonna suck and I don't know why you're gonna go star in it? I don't
0: say it I don't say it like that I think I think Mark you know I think actors have a much tougher road when they decide to do a movie. And I'm not even being politically correct. I mean, as a producer, if the movie fails, it's not always on me. It's on the director generally. And now I've crossed over to that world, but yeah. you know, Emma, I don't think it was more like that. I think he'd say to me things like, what do you think of this movie or what did you think? And And obviously as a friend, you know, I'm very open and honest with him, but you know, I, I, I'm more excited about the mogul he's become like he's like, and, and really like here's a guy who could have just been an actor, just taken his paycheck. And instead his name is on everything. He's branded the world. And that usually doesn't happen with somebody who's almost 50 years old to, to me making a hundred million dollars a year on Forbes and things like that. So he's inspired me to not, to go beyond just being a producer and go be a director or go be a, investor in a company that I might think could uh, become something so but we're, we always have conversations he, he always will show me his movies in early phases and I'm always you know it's exciting when you get to see something you know raw and early on so
1: yeah, yeah. were you shocked at like so when you were traveling the world as an assistant like were you shocked at like the level of fandom that surrounded him or you were like no this is what I expected because you were like right and close
0: Seeking the truth never gets old Never been around a celebrity, you know? The closest thing I ever had was at the skating rink in Miami. When I was 13, I got to meet Anthony Michael Hall. So that was like, you know what I mean, like I- I, Back in
1: the day, that was, you know, Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, yeah.
0: Exactly. So, no, the first time I ever saw the fanaticism was we went to Germany for a small tour that he did as Marky Mark, and we would go to the hotel and there would be hundreds of people outside thousands of people for autographs and i was like what is going on and i think that was the beginning of me seeing what celebrity and the power because i never experienced anything like that so i was pretty i was pretty blown away by that process i remember back then no social media no it was really just a picture and et and access hollywood you know yeah. really the, a couple a couple fan magazines that you would buy on the stands, you know. And I, I remember reading that first trip. He, he we saw a magazine. It was like in German, and it was like, uh, you know, uh, Marky Mark's assistant, Randall. You know, they knew my name. It was like it was, and I was like, this is crazy. And so that was the beginning of it. And then, and then as I um kind of uh, got the job at ICM, obviously I got to work with actors as an assistant, and then you know eventually in my own movies. But I've always been amazed that you know i think people expect me to be used to celebrity and i think that like when mark and i will go on a vacation or we just go to a restaurant you know and and somebody really has been your friend for 20 plus years and you can argue with them like a like a brother and you know they can and you're sitting there and then somebody comes up with tears in their eyes you're like oh shit you 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 are famous like you know you you forget with your with friends that you know completely but, but I think I'm always amazed. But I always, I think I love the fact that there are fans and they support the people they love. And I think it makes our business work in terms of why people go to the theater. They love to see a good movie and escape and love a certain actor or actress. And I think that's a, a, a you know a, a cool thing for fans. And now with social media, I mean, they really connect even more than they ever did. So I think it's all, all works.
1: I mean, it's crazy. You could just reach out to people and they get back to you. I mean, not everybody, but really, but you it's, could.
0: it's, it's nuts. It's, it's really, uh, it's very neat how I have connected with people that I respect in the business and they'll get, you know, and they get right back to me, which I would have to go through an agent, a lawyer, a manager. And I, I agree today. You can connect with people, you know, how we connect. Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs>
1: DM'd you. I'm like, I'm just going to DM you and that's yeah. the rest of it. But so I, now, so set the record straight, was Turtle based on you or not?
0: It, it, it's not directly based on me because there was another kid, there were a bunch of assistants and we were kind of all blend. It was, I, there, the assistants were kind of a mishmash of two or three of us. There was another kid that dressed like Turtle, you know, um, I, was, I was the long-term assistant, you know, and then, e it was his first assistant not his manager his manager didn't want to be a character so his first assistant who was my boss like you know still works for mark today but is more of like a man like kind of a road manager um you know and and he's a producer on entourage but um so i like kind of worked for e like that was my boss uh when working for mark and then e is older and became a much more important position to Mark. But I think there's about three of us that kind of were put together and inspired by, you know, I'm sure there are stories they took from me and stories they took from him. And, but at the end of the day, the real E, Eric Weinstein, who's my friend who I love um, is, was never the manager. You know, he has a manager, Steve Levinson, who was the creator of Entourage with Mark. And just, you know, so some of the things were like creative license, I guess. But but definitely that story on Mark is, is generated from all of us. All of us were contributions to that story because we all live that, you know, that entourage life.
1: That makes sense. Well, that's kind of cool.
0: But rewind one last thing. I mean, I laugh about the entourage because I always say when we're flying, whether it be commercial or private, I always say Mark and I were once on a flight where, you know, this is years ago. So not when I was the assistant, but we were both going to do a movie in uh, Louisiana and he had a lot of producers, executives on the plane. I had a couple of assistants and we were all heading I, and there was a big storm in Louisiana. I'm a bad, bad flyer. And I always, you know, I, I joke and I'm like, every time we're in like some bad flight, bad storm where I think it's over, I'm like, See, now I'm gonna die and it's gonna be Mark Wahlberg and Entourage. I'm not even gonna have a name if I die on this flight, so I get really irked.
1: know, so, so funny.
0: But no, he's uh, he's he's uh, he's great and he, he still has the same guys around him, very loyal like me. You know, we're very loyal for you know to each other and our friends. So
1: that counts. That that goes far. Yeah. Now how but, was it how is it to go to the Oscars, the Irishman?
0: that well, was awesome. I mean, I mean, I've been to the Oscars a few times with other movies, but not as a Best Picture nominee. So it was life changing. I mean, now I look back and shit. Now I appreciate it more than anything, because I mean, when I left the Oscars and went to Puerto Rico to start my uh, directing, right. I was so out. I was so depleted. I never wanted to see another show again. And now we've gone to the opposite of, of like doing nothing. So it was the highest high. I mean, I remember you know, it was all surreal, you know, like you're at you know, leading up to that. I had been at other shows with like Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese and De Niro or Pacino. And I'd be watching these retrospectives and I was like, this is not real. Like I read about all these people, you know. So when I got to the Oscars, I, it just was like I I had to take it in and say, just try to enjoy it because it's that moment that you're not, it's hard to ever get to. And I really kind of was looking at it from an outside perspective, the whole thing. I was like taking pictures of myself and I'm like, I'm going to look back and really cherish this. So it was epic, but surreal. And then now I look back and I'll, it's like just an awesome memory, but it was really neat. It was neat. It was exciting but I, I think we knew we weren't gonna win after the globe globes so i enjoyed it more at the globes i was heartbroken when we didn't win best picture and i remember lala came to the party and it was a netflix party and it was um and we were we were in the the section or whatever and um and i had rode with marty after we had lost in the golf cart they took us to the party. And It was very quiet, and I was uh, and I was sad and and heartbroken. And then Lala met me in the booth, and she came up and she likes to say I was in tears, but I I was in tears. I was very heartbroken at that moment because I the hopes and you know you, you and all that. But when I got to the Oscars, I knew we were going to lose, so I had the best night ever because like I just went in with no pressure and just being so happy that I, I could make my parents proud and my kids proud. Totally. And, yeah.
1: And Lala, yes. Um, And now, does Jax, does Jax appreciate this picture that you got him, this picture that uh, I saw with you and De Niro and Jax?
0: I I hope he does. I mean, I remember we were there at the Netflix, like, pre-cocktail thing and whatever, and I was like, Jax, you gotta meet him. And he's like, he's like, no, 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 no. Like, he was really like, I I, I think he gets a little social anxiety. So, because, you know, he's around probably people he doesn't, you know, no, at all. I mean, I'm like that in his world. Well,
1: De Niro is kind of a big deal.
0: <laughs> I forget. I, I know he's a big deal. I'm not going to say I forget. I think that when you work with people on a creative level, you know, you want to be collaborating. And, and I know De Niro's my icon because I've done five movies with the guy and he's the greatest. But I think, you know, you're just at a party, you're having some drinks and we're laughing. And I say, I want you to meet, I, I said, I want you to meet Bob De Niro. And he's like, no, 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 you don't have to do that. I'm just happy being, he's so, Jax is like a really appreciative person. Like, he never expects anything. So I was like, no, 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 Jax, I want you to be in. So we walk over and one of my producing partners, Emma was sitting there and I said, Emma, could you ask Bob, could you put this picture together? And she loves Vanderpump, loves. She's very open about how much she loves Vanderpump. So she said, um, she goes, yeah, no. And Jacks like, no, 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 we don't. I said, Jax, just stand right here. It's gonna happen. Just give me a second. Boom, 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 they set it all up. He comes over and thing. And I think after that, Jack's like, holy shit. I mean, he was like, you know, above the moon after that. But I don't think he really believed like maybe it was gonna happen. There was a lot of people there. But no, he, he's very grateful anything we go to or do. We always he's he's always been a great friend and he's he we have a lot of fun when we do this stuff.
1: That I was just saw that picture. And what about, you know. I, I'm more of a TV person than a movie person, but what about Gotti? You know, this thing where like Gotti missed the boat. I mean, not I'm not I I haven't seen it, but it's
0: but Gotti. Gotti was a tough one. I, you know, the thing that people don't understand is, and and I think you know, having done Lone Survivor, a True Story, Frozen Ground, with Nick Cage was a true story, and 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 in, in different movies, you know, when you make something about a, a character as big as John Gotti. You know that movie had been around for years, and they were trying to make it for forty or fifty million dollars. And we just came in and kind of saved the day in the sense that we offered an opportunity for for them to make the movie. Travolta and and John, and they all agreed, and Kevin Connolly to make it for a very small budget. And I was happy to be able to help everybody and tell that story because John is a friend of mine now, and and we just we were really excited to make the movie. You know. I don't, we <laughs> missed the boat. It was, it was brutal. You know, you don't want to be in this spot where, you know, I'm used to criticism and people talking shit and that's part of the business and everybody wants to see everybody fail. I don't know why, but it's just something that people like that root people like let's, let's hope he fails. It's like, come on, you know? So, you know, when a movie doesn't work, you know, on a critical level, like God, he didn't, didn't work. Um, you know all you can say is hey you know they spent eight years trying to make the movie i spent six months and it happened we all did the best we could it didn't work exactly the way we wanted to um i don't think it was anybody's fault in, in, independently i think it's just we were on a very tight budget and there was a lot of story to tell and you know it, it happened the way it happened um i'm still proud of the relationships that i created in that movie and the effort we put in but at the end of the day you know you, you make movies and and i always tell people when a movie works it's like lightning in a bottle everything has to go right and it is so hard to do that so all you can do is try your hardest and i and i i last thing i'll say about Gotti, people put their heart and soul into that movie uh, including myself and when it doesn't work you know people don't understand it is heartbreaking for us you know we're not out to to to, to leave our Families and go away for months and blood, sweat, and tears to raise money and do all the things we do to have a movie not work. So it, it sucks, you know, for all of us. But uh, I'm still proud of the experience that we did. And, and, and um, you know, the funny thing is, and leave it at this, is that Gotti, um, you know, generated, I think, like four or five, $6 million box office. And we only released it in like a couple hundred theaters. So financially it worked in the small amount of theaters released it in like it did the right numbers. It just critically, you know, we, we, we got punished by the critics. They were not, I felt like there was like an attack on us or whatever, but it was pretty.
1: That's pretty kind ridiculous. of what I remember.
0: Yeah. And not only that, I mean, the, the one thing I will say is, you know, you talk about these moments you remember in life, look, I got to go to the Canton Film festival with the cast, walk the red carpet in the Quasette, have a premiere it's that's another moment in time that nobody could take away from me. And it still was a magical moment for me, you know, being part of the film.
1: Can you tell, like, I and mean, then this is not directed towards Gotti, just yeah. like in general, like, can you tell when you're working on a film, like as a producer, where you're like, this is probably not going to be okay.
0: I, I, I try to green light movies based on thinking it's okay. But the truth is there are times I have been able to tell not as much because when I go in, I'm full of optimism and creative, And the director you're working with is generally so dynamic and exciting that you're just in it. Like you're like, we're going to do something great. And even on set. I've watched um, the monitor and you're seeing performances that are perfect, but then they cut it all together and it's like, Oh shit. But there have been a couple movies that I will be honest that it was world war three and the pre-production process and when that happens and you haven't even started shooting a frame of film, generally film is a collaborative medium. So common sense will tell you that if everybody's at an impasse going in, how can you make a great product? It's very, very rare. So those films that I can remember where it was very chaotic generally turned out to be pieces of shit. <laughs> so that's all but, but but I would say 95% you don't know until you see you know, some cut footage or, or some dailies, but there have been, I would say, you know, five to 10 films that were gnarly going in and you just want to get to the finish line. Cause you're already in it. You can't stop the train. There too much money has already been committed.
1: I get it. I mean, on a much small, not even on the same scale, but I get it. Like sometimes I have podcast guests. You're not yeah. one of them where I'm just like, this is a horrible show. And I have to put this out because this is what's slated. But I'm like, this is a disaster, and this is gonna and stop. You get,
0: it's the same thing. Like it's the same thing. Like you have a guess that you know it's going sideways. All you're doing is counting down the clock. It's the same thing. When I'm watching a cut of a movie, and I'm like, eight minutes in, I'm like, oh my, we're gonna punish people. We are gonna punish people by making them see this, There's nothing you could do because you've already invested ten, twenty million dollars, and you know, you just miss. And, and, you know, one of the things I feel like why I have sustained, you know, 110 movies is, is owning it. You know, if a movie doesn't work, I have to own it. I can't. I mean, I, I don't want to point fingers at a director or an actress performance or even myself. I want to say, look, this is a collaborative medium. We miss. Now, how did we miss? Let's dissect it and figure it out. The script sucked from day one. The director didn't have the vision he said, You know, so, because you want to know as you go forward that, you know, how do we get better at this? So, you know, we're trying, you know, you're always trying to learn and put good stuff out because it sucks when it's bad. It's it's the worst feeling.
1: It's not good. Now, let's get into what really counts. Um, Where did you meet Lala? When? How did this all come about? I don't even know the story.
0: Uh... I met Lala. Okay, I initially met Lala.
1: Do you like that segue there?
0: Every year every year I did a Christmas party at CERN um, as a goof. Because a lot of my partners loved the show back then. And she had only appeared in one or two episodes of her first season. So I didn't even really know her character except for those first couple episodes. So we walked into CERN, a big, probably 25 of us, and and, and I had gotten there a little early to make sure it was all set up in the back for, the, for the, for all my partners and stuff. And, um, and I saw her and I was like, Oh my God, that's the new girl. That's, that's that girl. Lala. She's like new to the show. She's only been in whatever. And so then we go back and I said to Alex, my uh, head of my company, I said, she's go ask her, you know, like, does she, is she in the business? What does she do? Like try to get to you know know her. She's a very attractive girl. And, and so um he, went up to her and she kind of, she looked over at me and she, like, she, I mean, she tells the story. She was like that little guy over there, not for me. And, um, and she said, if you ever want to talk business, talk to my manager. So we, um, we, we, we called her manager the next day and we said, you know, we'd love to sit with her. We have a meeting. We had this movie at that time, which she ended up doing years later. And, um, and so we went to, it was about, yeah. it was about, we went to lunch. It was right for the holidays. So we went to lunch like a month later And with her manager. I went to lunch. And we're talking and we like hit it off. And we're just talking about creative stuff. And and, and just, I don't know. I, I always tell her I felt I had a connection out of the blue. She, uh, she felt like her manager didn't even exist when we were in this lunch. And then uh, I think I was going to Sundance. And, and she was going to do an appearance. And she was from Utah. And she's like, oh, you should take my number in case I – Maybe go and I was like, Yeah, okay. And so I got her number and then I'd say for the next month and a half or something, we text, like, but we but you know, life was complicated and and we just that was it, nothing. And um became friends and um and I was enamored, you know. I was I mean, I trying to downplay it, but I was I was whipped. And uh
1: (laughs) Were you whipped like that first night, like when you walked in? I don't know.
0: liked she just had a spark and a connection and she was you know like we I don't even know what the right word is but it was just like something felt really connected and then I went oh and then I was going to New York and she um uh she well she tells a story that we were gonna go to New York together originally and then she's like my mom said I shouldn't go to New York and then And then she had been banned from Andy Cohen from the drinking. So this is after
1: her and James were on where they swear. Right.
0: right. Okay. She was banned from Andy Cohen. And after she said, I don't know if I'm going to go to New York now anyway, whatever the night before she called me goes, guess what? I booked Andy Cohen tomorrow. And I was like, what? And she's like, this like a fate. It must. Right. And I was like, wait, you're going to New York now to do Andy Cohn, but you were banned from Andy Cohn? I didn't even understand what that meant because I didn't know she was banned at all. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to be there. And so she went, and then I flew in later. And then the night that, like, the whole thing went down was I flew in, like, at nine. I was so excited to go to dinner and meet her after the show, which was, like, late, you know, 11.30. Yeah. And I her, and I'm like – and she gets done. She's like, oh, you know – where do you want to go to dinner? And I said, well, my friends own Tao or we could go to like Il Molino. It's more romantic. I'm thinking she would go for the Il Molino. And she's like, oh, Tao sounds fun. And I'm bringing my two best friends, her hairdresser and makeup artist. And I'm like, okay, this is this is, uh, this is is not what it, this is not the date that I right. Imagine. So I'm like, screw it. I open the liquor. I have some drinks in the hotel. And I get in the taxi and I head down to, meet her and i walk in and there she is with her two best friends who are great by the way but i didn't know and i'm like this is dumb like why am i even here and um and but i see her and she's stunning and uh and then and then uh we sit down at the table and i'm like i'm just annoyed because i wanted to have like you know face time it's been like two and a half months at this point and and so we sit down and we start ordering some drinks and And then she, I remember, and she says this, she she put her hand underneath the table on my knee to grab my hand. And then we held hands. And then right after dinner, we went to the bar part and then we kissed and we've been together ever since. Wow! And that was it. I mean, I mean, she likes to say on the podcast, we bump gum, bump, whatever she friggin' calls it, but I tell her be romantic. Okay. It was romantic for me, but, that it is
1: very romantic.
0: romantic. I agree. I agree.
1: Now, okay. I would personally have chosen Il Molino over Tao.
0: Thank you. Thank you. By the way, she loves Il Molino now because she's been a hundred times. But I think it was just she knew Tao and it was her friends were with her. But it was it was fun. We had a really fun night. And then ever and then ever since that day, you know, obviously we've been together and, you know, roller coaster of uh, you know, I by the way, you know, I always tell her like I didn't expect. I think in my mind, and I I tell her this, and I even tell the uh, creators of Vanderpump, I always told them, like, I didn't ever, I always thought I would just be the -the behind-the-scenes guy, do what I do. I didn't know, I knew the fanaticism for her show, but I didn't think that if you're a behind-the-scenes guy, you're an older guy, you're not trying to be on TV, you would ever be brought up. I didn't know what I was in store for. You know, I think I was in denial. Like, oh, I'm I love her because she's her to me. I don't care about a reality show that she's on. I just love her and I want to be with her. And I think that as I think that was naive of me, but I think that's just the way I like to live in my own bubble. So
1: did you watch so I mean like you said everyone in your office watched it like did you watch it? Like when you said that's the new ball.
0: in the first four years or first three years, really, first three and a half years, we all want, because we all love, like, reality. It's escapism. It's fun. The show was a super big hit show. So a lot of my, like, Emma, Martin Scorsese's partner, was fanatical about it so then we all would get into it. You know, yeah, I mean, that was, I always am open about saying I love the show because... There's nothing
1: not to love.
0: Jax was the greatest villain in all of reality television, in my opinion. Greatest.
1: So, I mean, here, you know, people are probably like, oh, my God, there's Randall and he knows Martin Scorsese. But yet, (laughs) you know, you are like, oh, my God. Were you like, oh, my God, I'm meeting Jax Taylor tonight?
0: I thought it was huge. I thought it was like, because we were all such fans. Like, you know, you work with, like, people in our business and you respect them and their work. And you know they're a big star and that's fine. But I think reality, it's like, oh, my God, that's Jax Taylor you know, who crushes the first four years of that show. And now, you know, he's married and trying to have babies. But I think it was, um, yeah, I think it was, Uh, I think I was overwhelmed when I, I, I think also there was a lot of negativity. Remember before I met everybody, I was, you know, they were really mean to Lala, you know, they, they were not nice. And so I was going in with my kind of my guard up. And then as, as they saw that our relationship I think it was a real relationship to them because remember they didn't know, you know, uh, you know, how connected and how serious our relationship was probably for a year and a half, you know, just cause I was, you know, how to protect my family and things like that. But, you know, I think that when they met me, when I met them and they met me, I think it was an instant wall went down. And I think we, I realized they're like really cool people and really nice. And Jack's has got a big heart and, Schwartz has got a big heart and, you know, I've really, they've become some of my good friends and I don't think I ever thought that would happen um, until I met them and realized, you know, just like they thought something of me, I thought something of them, but really they're, they're good people and they mean well. And they, they're they're you know, they, they've been there for me, you know, and I didn't ever think that that would happen, but yeah, through, through the thick and thin of it, they have they've always had my back and been very very kind to me, and uh, you know like I said I put Jax and Tom and Bo in my wedding, um, and that's only because I've spent years now with them. You know, ever before I think you know people really kind of knew me in any way whatsoever.
1: So Jacks, Tom, Sandoval, and Bo. yeah, and
0: Bo.
1: Schwartz, yeah. right. Well, I mean like I think the viewer was in the same position as them too. You yeah. know, like before we yeah. knew you, Randall you know, there was this perception. You know, James didn't help that perception.
0: No, James not
1: and, and Lala was joking, but, you know, there were things she said, too, about, like, Range Rover. So, I mean, how did you feel? Like, you knew you had a good relationship. So, like, were you watching the show at those points? About, like, you know, I got an audition, I got a car, I got a Range Rover.
0: I, I stopped, no, I, well, first of all, I stopped watching the show when I knew she was filming and having a really horrific time. Like meaning, uh, you know, when your partner comes home at night and, and is bawling her eyes out and you can't, like, as somebody that is used to controlling an environment, you know, movie set, I put it together. If it's going bad, I have to fix it. And I have zero control in this world. And not only that, they're, you know, people are being really mean. And, and look, you know, they don't know all the truth of, of, of our, our relationship because I'm not willing at that point to show anything. And um and I think that, you know, she really took she really took a beating, you know, in that first year, that first two years. So for me, um, yeah, for me, I, I couldn't watch the show. I was very upset for her. I was never like I, I'm I'm older. I'm 49 years old I was 46 then. I have been through the ringer and back, but you know, she's, Lala is very sensitive, but tough. So it's like watching your partner come home and cry is, 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 heartbreaking. So I think that, like you said, when people finally got to know me in su- just a, a little bit, then things changed. And I think that ultimately probably was for the best. And it also wasn't fair to her at the end of the day. Like I could have sworn on my life a thousand times. I was never going to ever, make an appearance on this show, I'm up and down.
1: I would have said that
0: too, just as someone in this world. But, you know, it got to be unfair to her, and it got to be unfair to our relationship, I think, that I think there was only one option. And it wasn't like I was being required to go do this daily. You know, it it was a little here and a little there of things that I would already be going to, normally maybe be hiding in the back, like I had done it other <laughs> things. Um, but, you know, I just felt it was unfair for her because, you know, Lala, people don't even know, but, you know, she's really always had my back thick and thin, you know, especially in those beginning days when it was really hard on her and me. Um, it was a lot of stress for me. It was, it was equally, if not more stress for her. And I think that when that moment came, it was the right thing for me to do to support my fiance um, because she doesn't deserve, them to say things that that and by the way, at that point, I was friends with all of them, so it was like I, I I've traveled with them, so it was like kind of awkward and disrespectful to Lala to not show up
1: that makes sense. Did she ask you like way before you actually decided yeah. like, and how did this like what, what how did she convince you?
0: Well, she had asked me you know obviously back in the day but but she Respected always, Lala always respected. Just that I'm a behind the scenes person, you know. I I don't I don't uh, go to the gym and tread it and you know and I'm like I'm a guy that you know like is comfortable not being on camera. So um, I think she always respected and kind of knew that and, she, and and was supportive of that. I think in the end, right before this, I went on camera. I think she just she's very. Um, gets her way. You know, she's la. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to fight with my partner, but at the same time, you know, she made a valid point and she just said, babe, you know, if we, if you come on, you know, then people will see us of how we really are. And, I, and it, that resonated with me. And I said, she's right. You know, at the end of the day, they don't know how we are. I know how we are. So why are they talking about us like that? And I think once we showed up, she was right. It all, like dissipated quickly. And I think, you know, uh, she was right and the people around her, were right. And I, I uh, yeah, I think that, I think that I had reached my expiration of not not being on the show. Like, I don't think I could have, it, I, I just think it was too unkind. Had I, although I did tell the producers, you know, four people ate dinner on that first scene, just so we're clear. And I'm the only one who had a double chicken sandwich. So um, you know, did you forget that everybody else had a dinner too? Well, anyway, I guess everybody gets it, you
1: know. <laughs> right. Did you hear from the producers throughout those years without Lala just like, hey, forget Lala, we're calling you, we want you on. We we know Lala wants you on, but now we're putting pressure on you.
0: I knew I knew the producers would have liked me to appear. I don't know like the level. I don't know if they were like, Oh my God, we need Randall M. And I don't, I think they were fine with their successful show, but I think that for her, cause she's important to them and, and that shows important to her. I think it only made sense. And I think that's where their interest was like to be fair to the rest of the cast. I think that, um, right before I went on, um, you know, we did have a conversation, you know, the producers and I, a sit down, you know, between us and, and we just, you know, openly, I had to understand what it meant because for me, you know, I, I work and have a schedule and that's, and that's their careers, you know, what they do. And they, and they, and when they film that show, it's six days a week, morning to night. And, and um, I just needed to understand things and they were very kind. They laid it out for me. They explained that they're not looking for me to be do this every day. And, th- you know, basically what Lala had always said, like, just to show some side of, of that part of her life, because obviously she considers our relationship a big part of her life, and I do. And I, mm-hmm. I just felt it was only genuine at that point to be respectful to her. So it was like, it was kind of like that. But it was never, it was never like them blowing me up going, please, we need Red 11. I think they just always would love to have had me on the show. But. I, and then I think, you know, I think, um, and I think uh, the cast, as I got much closer with them, I think it became awkward because here's what's weird. Okay, so you lo- you love your partner and it's summer comes and they start shooting a show and everybody else is hanging out together and you can't see your partner till 10 o'clock at night, sometimes one in the morning, not all day. And it kind of sucks after four years of that. And the greatest thing about having appeared on the show, the times I did is it was great to go to Kentucky for four days with Lala and get to hang out with everybody and be there on Jack's special day. It was, it was heartfelt and, and great. And the other version of that, had I not been on the show would have been me flying in the day of sitting in the rafters, hiding, worried the whole time, you know, and that's, a yeah. way. and it was, it, it's not fair to, the people that I consider, you know, really good friends to me. So that's it.
1: Who called the sit down with producers before it? Was it you being like, we have to get a few things straight. Oh, like, I have a I, day job.
0: I think I said, I, I don't know if they asked or I asked, but I think it was like a mutual thing. Like I was just like, look, let's, let's just sit down. And you exp- like, I, I, I don't know this world. I'm very All I know is I've been bashed for years as a fat, uh, you know, middle-aged guy. So I just need to know, I mean, I I know what you guys have done to me or or what, you know, what not being on the show has looked like. What is, what is it? You know, I I cherish my relationship with my girls. So what is this going to look like? And, and they said, well, let's go, I think we just mutually said, let's just go sit down. And we sat down, which I thought would have been like a half hour. It was probably a two and a half hour kind of drinks. And, they were very transparent and said, look, we don't expect you to ever be a a Bravo celebrity. as Stassi likes to call me. Um, But that is what you are in a way now.
1: (laughs) Just add that to your titles.
0: But I think that, you know, they were just very honest and open and they just said, look, you know, you know, we know that you're, you've been together a long time and it's a, you know, it's a real relationship. And, you know, I, and I said, look from what's being shown on TV versus, you know, what our real relationship is like, anything is going to be better. Anything's going to be better than that. Right. So
1: that's true. Uh,
0: that, and that was it. After that, we, we just shook hands and we were okay. We'll, we'll try it out. And they didn't ask for some big commitment of me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was fine. It was fun. And I had a good time and it was, it was better than what I thought. I I was petrified on day one.
1: Petrified. Really? I, I now, you think you had a good experience so far?
0: I think so. You know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't try not to watch the show that much now, you know, just for what I've been through the last few years, I went from, but, um, but I'm supportive. You know, I, I know I didn't realize how in it you are when you have a partner like Lala. I really didn't. I, I, I just, it was my naivete. I mean, let's just be honest. I was, in a bubble. And also I come from a generation that wasn't social media driven. I come from a generation where we had blackberries and, um, and pagers, you know, and now it's this. So I think when I went to Bravo con, I think that was the first time I really, really saw how crazy this world is with, with the, with these shows. I mean, they are, they're like the Beatles too. In it, with their fans, you know, that, you know, yeah. but, but I mean, like I've never seen anything. I went, to, I'll give you an example. I went in laws. You love it. I'm like, no, I went to Bravo. I, I left Santa Barbara film festival. um having a, had this great thing where Marty Scorsese was honored. and It was a beautiful night. And I flew in to support my girl because she was on these panels. It was exciting. Then I got to New York and I landed late. I flew right to the, the place where the Hammerstein, I think, wherever, yeah, and I got out of a taxi to go into the venue and there was a line of like a lot of people and they started to say my name and where's Lala? And I was like, what is going on? So I, I, I think I forget It's just like with Mark, with Lala, because we're a couple, you know, she always says, I forget what you do. And I kind of forget, you know, I know what she does, but you forget when you're in real life every day. And you see that level and you realize Vanderpump and Housewives and all these shows are, like they have their fans and they, it's a big population that, that loves it. So
1: it's- I mean, listen, I would say that 99, because I was at that Hammerstein Ballroom and all that, <laughs> watch what happens. I mean, I was at BravoCon all weekend. I would say 99% of the people in that line would rather run to Lala and Stasi than De Niro.
0: And by the way, that's I. That's what I felt, and I'm telling you, Bo. Bo and I were uh, sitting in the audience on one of the panels uh, that were going on, and, and I said, "Bo, let's go grab a drink." I, the the green rooms it's crazy, you know. Let's just go out and grab a drink at the bar. We go out to grab a drink at the bar. It's mayhem. Like they think. I mean, it was like he's the Beatles, and and they're tr- saying my name. we take a picture, and I'm like, and I'm not on any show. I'm I'm the I'm the fiance and it's so so what I've learned is that world they know everything you know they know they know if you're the partner you know you're you're recognized you know for the, from our fans so anyway I, I, I've learned you know to understand and t- and deal with it better than I think in the beginning beginning I was I was meltdown central I just I couldn't t- I, I, if there was an article written you know I'd, I'd have a meltdown if there's thing And then Lala's like, look, babe, at the end of the day, you know, this is bullshit. It's not our real life. I don't care what, you know, and you just got to move forward. And now I don't, I don't even, I just, you know, I just, I respect what people do for a living, but that's not my real life is going home to my girl and my kids and making films and, you know, taking care of our relationship. But, but it is that Bravo con I will never forget when the next one comes, I'll be a little more prepared because that, that, I mean, it was nuts, nuts.
1: That's how it is in this world. I mean, this is how I have a podcast that I'm sitting right. here talking to you. I mean, people could talk about this for 24 hours a day, 365 days a year.
0: And Stasi, I agree with you. Stasi and Lala, it's like the two of them. I mean, even when I, you know, when I look at everything she's done and things that Lala does, I mean, you know, they're just, it's, it's really amazing. These empires that these people have built for themselves, you know? Uh, I mean, Lala's pursuing the acting thing seriously, but so then she's got all the other outlets where she can create and generate revenue. I told her at 29, I mean, I wish I made a third of what she makes. And same with all those cast members. They're all, I mean, I. by the way, I didn't even realize the money that, I, I, here's what I knew. I knew all these reality companies sold for 80 to $125 million. That I didn't understand back in the day. I was like, what? This company, this company, what reality? Now I know why. I mean, there's, the fans are at the highest level and, and the viewership and the, you know, the branding and all of it. So When you're I, in
1: your third year on, it's good money.
0: It's, it's incredible. By the way, I wish I, I was 22 or 24 starting on a reality show. Making that kind of money, and be able to brand and, and do all that. I mean, shit, I wouldn't have been sleeping on couches. So Seriously. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's not a bad way to go. Not a bad way at all. Did you ever hear from Lisa Vanderpump, like, throughout, like, not the producers, like, being like, hey, I want you on before you were on?
0: Yeah, Lisa and I have been friends now way before I got on the show, because she was always like she wanted to know me we would ha- we had dinner a few times with lala and ken um so i knew lisa already and i you know there's a big mutual respect i think you know i respect her and ken i mean selling their restaurant business for exorbitant amounts of money and then coming here and starting another one and becoming a person so i respect her and i think she respects me and what i do and so i think she always was there kind of advising me a little bit just giving me advice um and then when i went on the show and then I think, you know, even before I started doing the show, we had, you know, multiple conversations where she's like, listen, it's going to be fine. You know, you, you know, Lala, she was always supportive of Lala. Lala needs this and deserves this to show that side of her life. It's not fair to her that you're such a big part of her life. And and I agreed with this is when it was really kind of happening. And, yeah. and because Lisa loves Lala, uh, and, and I love Lisa. And I, I really, look at Lisa as kind of a confidant. And she, she was very supportive and like, you know, you should do this and it will, you know, and, and, and to be honest, the producers, I mean, Alex Baskin and Bill and those, and, and, and Jenna, they were, they, they all handled me with kick gloves because I was, you know, not, I was, I was overwhelmed. And Lala would be like, you know, I was like, relax enough. Go have another, you know, go have another drink or whatever. So I, I don't know, you know, because I was friends with Jax and those people and because I start, knew them for years at this point, when I went on, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. It was just overwhelming at first to have four cameras and a microphone and then telling you, okay, you know, uh, we didn't hear that. Can you say it one more? And I'm like, what? And, and then, you know, and I'm sweating and there, and there, by the way, and there's, you know what it is. Uh, and I, one thing I'll tell you, I told Lala after the first scene I did the first dinner, um, I said it's weird, Lola. I get caught up watching the three of you, Brittany, Jackson, you. It's almost like I'm watching TV because I'm watching you guys, and I'm like checked out because I'm just like I, I, I should be at home on a couch watching this. And then they turn to me all of a sudden in the middle, and they're like, and I'm like, what? And I mean, I, I, I it was very hard for me at first.
1: You're like, it's wait funny. a second, I'm actually in the show now. Like I, I like need yes. a moment.
0: Yeah, so it was very overwhelming for me. I think that's why I had to order a double chicken sandwich that day.
1: Well, it's also kind of funny. I mean, like you're, you know, this big producer, you know, now you're a director and now you're just learning how to be a reality star. And, okay. re- and really, Randall, like you're not in the drama. Like this one's not sleeping, you're not sleeping with this one and this one's sleeping. Like at least you can.
0: No, I think I think that they know that I- I'll come in as Lala's, fiance and yeah. important, you know i think that they we had a mutual respect the producers when it comes to like um when i when i when it's okay for me to come plus my schedule was crazy i was traveling a lot so i think we were like okay you know obviously jackson's wedding and uh, tom's second wedding and you know uh, uh Stassi, you know and bo getting engaged um you know all the thi- the final night I, uh, the final night they, I I wasn't even going to go. And then uh, they called Jenna and them called me and said, it's the last night you got to come by. And of course I didn't know. So I, so I went, I went to um, that night. I, first of all, I wasn't going to go. And I was like, well, I don't need to go to the final night. That's, that's your cast. That's a big thing. And then the producer called, come on, come by. You need to come by. It's last night, you know, celebrate with, and I was like, I'm going to be there for my girl, of course. So I get in the car after the fact and I go there. And, um, and I'm there on the last night and, um, and, and then like, I'm, I brought Emma, you know, Marty's partner and we're drinking, we're having fun. And, and then like, they come over to me. Oh, uh, I said, I don't want to do anything tonight. Just have fun. And they come over to me and go, James wants to apologize to you right now. And I was like, what? And like, he's right there. He, he wants to talk to you. And I was like, blind, like i what? I don't know what that, I was like, that was, and so he came up to me and he, and he had been trying to reach out to me a few times and I just didn't trust the consistency. And, uh, and he came up to me and, and he said, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I said all those things to you. And I, 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 was not in my right state. I was very mean. And I really hope you'll forgive me and we can move forward. And I had already encouraged Lala at the beginning of that season to, to work things out with James because I know she and he make music together and they've always had and he was trying to get sober so I just said don't worry about me if, if he's doing the right thing and treating you right then you do your thing and I said I, I, I feels very heartfelt and I 100% would want to move forward and and after that ever since then he's always been we had him on our podcast he's been really sweet he's been very kind and very consistent and this has been going on now for a long time so you know, it was, it, it, you know, that was a very uh, unique situation for me because I don't think I ever would have done that on a TV show. But, uh, you know, James has come a long way and Lala and James are still really good friends.
1: Was was it weird seeing James like during filming them before that? Like,
0: I, oh, when I, we were filming and we weren't speaking because of the things that he had said. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see him much, but the times I did mm. see him, yeah, it was very awkward for me. Um, and I'm somebody that confronts people, you know, uh, very direct. But you know, when you have cameras and it's not really my space, I just, you know, I think the times that he was around and up, leading up to the point where we've become friends now, um, it was just like he would, he would see me and he would nod or say hello, and I'd say hello back, and that would be it. It would never be really awkward. It just be like, hey, how are you? How are you? And that would, that would be the end of it. So now, you know, now he'll text me and say hello. And we're, we're friends with Raquel now. And like, everybody's made up. Everybody's, you know, that's done. Yeah.
1: That's good. Well, also, I think it's interesting with Lisa because, and this is no shade. So do not read this as shade, but like, no, but like you're coming into the show. I mean, you are, no, no, no. You are closer to Lisa's age than like a Raquel. So it's like,
0: like, I'm very close with Lisa and Ken. I, I speak to Lisa FaceTimes me probably once a week I FaceTime her you know when it's, it wasn't COVID you know I would see Ken and go meet him for a drink or go meet Lisa and Ken with Lala for a drink uh, oh I mean I love them and, and and I yes 100% I'm much closer in age and I and I and I genuinely get along with both of them and they're Ken and I are, are buddies and Lisa and I are buddies and 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 I I feel really comfortable with them and um and jack's you know he's 40 so i mean close age there too you know nine totally. years younger uh but i act like i'm 12 so there you go so it all works out but i get but, it but, no don't but i agree with you no i'm i'm definitely feel very comfortable with least Canada, and i and i respect them a lot and i trust them and they've been very helpful navigating uncharted waters for me
1: Thanks everyone for listening to part one of our sit down with Randall Emmett and make sure to stay tuned for part two where we talk more about Randall. Vanderpump rules, la la, and what really is up with her wedding? Do we have a reschedule date? We'll be back with part two with Randall Emmett soon.